my top five podcasters, Chris, 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 Chris Lambert, and probably myself, but this ain't about that. The mundane festival is where you at. If you've been tapped in, you know what's up. If you're a first-timer, hey, welcome to the club. The cost of admission is simply a subscription. Then rating and reviewing it wherever you're listening. Don't worry about change-ups. The cast won't break up. Even with that million-dollar contract, show up a stand-up guy who's a stand-up comedian with a stance on everything from food to media. So welcome to the show. Please take your seat. Let's find out what he's got in store this week. Who, me? I'm Don. Will you open the act? Thanks for coming out. Please clap. The Mundane Festival with your host, Chris Lambert. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Mundane Festival Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher A. Lamberth, recording this episode on Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. Remember, as always, you can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening apparatus. If you're really into this thing, go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Give this show a five-star review. Let everybody know why you like it. Because it's simply the right thing to do. And if you would like to take your love and appreciation of this show to an even deeper level, go over to patreon.com slash mundane festival and subscribe. It's three bucks a month for hours and hours and hours of bonus content. I want to give a special shout out to Reginald C. Thank you so much for becoming a premium subscriber. I really appreciate it. Hope you enjoy all the stuff behind the paywall. That those those the abundance of um an, an abundance of content back there. I give you at least two a month. I'm gonna to try to start to do more if I can, but you at least get two a month, a dollar fifty an episode for the bonus. Um, and I appreciate you, Reggie C. I hope you have a good time back there behind that paywall. This is episode 694. There's no guest. It's just me sitting here in my apartment post TPS reports, post a, a little bit of an old man nap, uh, to be honest with you. And I'm here giving you, uh, about to give you a quality podcast. I don't know how long this one's going to be. I wanted to shoot the shit a little bit. I want to talk about the color purple. I want to talk a little bit about Spider-Man 2. I want to talk about some shows. Um, and then we'll see where we are at that point. How about that? All right. So I hope everybody had a safe and happy holiday season. Had a good Christmas. Um, I beat Spider-Man 2 on Christmas Eve. Really fun game. I enjoyed it. Uh I was talking about this on the Patreon. I'm not going to go in, into depth. You can go over to Patreon to find out if you really give a shit how I feel about Spider-Man 2 for PS5, a game that people beat when it first came out. Uh, no, I, 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 I really did enjoy it. It was fun. Really fun AAA game. Satisfying, very satisfying boss fights. I haven't felt that way since beating Metroid Dread, to be honest with you. The, the boss fights were really satisfying. And 
I think I'm going to go back and play some of the... I need to go back. I'm, I don't know that I'll platinum the game, but I'm going to go do some of these side quests because there's some boss fights on the side quests that are pretty fun and pretty intense that I need to do. So I'm probably going to get back into that game because there's DLC coming just like they did with uh, part one with the first one in uh, 2018. So I'm excited about that. And I, I did enjoy that game. I don't know what I'm I should finish for spoken. I made all that fuss about fucking black girl magic video game and you guys aren't playing and you guys are being racist and I only played about an hour of it so I should probably finish that game. I think that's what I might do. I can fin- I need to finish that game. That's what I that's what I should do. I got to finish that black girl magic game. Then I got to I really want to play Alan Wake 2 but as a completionist I feel like I should play the first Alan Wake with the white man and then get the game get alan wake 2 and because i have alan wake 1 because it was free on place for like on the playstation store whatever program you're in you can i'm in some kind of program that they take out 60 bucks a month when you lease it not 60 bucks a month but they took they i think they might have taken out a hundred bucks or something one time or a year and you just forget it always comes I think it usually comes around my birthday because I think that's around the time that I got my PlayStation 4-ish. And uh, I'm in, I've been in that PlayStation Plus program. You guys don't really care about that. But uh, yeah, I think, I think it sh- I should be playing Forspoken. And then I should start Alan Wake. And then I need to go to Alan Wake 2. And then I should finish that fun game, that interactive game, The Quarry. I think that's what I should do, and I should stick to that. And I should also be playing 2K and Madden a lot more so I can vibe out and listen to music. All right. And then maybe get a girlfriend. That, too, would work, too. That would help. Oh, I'm so busy. I can't play video games because I got a girlfriend. I got to hang out with her. So, you know. I don't know, balance in, in, in everything we do in life. So it goes, folks. So that was fun. Um, be Spider-Man 2. I made some pasta. My chicken pesto pasta. That was great. I really I really enjoyed that. I feel like I should be putting more heavy cream in, the, in my sauce, though. I feel like I should be doing more of that. It, it, the, the recipe that I go by on YouTube... They don't, they said about a cup and a half, but the, the little carton you get, you should, I should probably, I could probably stand to put a little more in that anyway. So that, that was good. Um, I did a couple, I did some shows, shout out to hot Tim Gaber at the Williams center. I did, uh, they called me last minute. I think it was a, uh, the weekend before Christmas and that's that room at the Williams center in Rutherford. It's a room that they're building up. And they're doing a lot of cool stuff. It's like a nice, a nice vi- venue. Uh, arts. It's really like an. It's really an art center. And it. I talked about this before. And they. It used to. They used to have movies there and stuff. And I, I don't think I had ever done anything there. And um, they started doing comedy shows within the last couple years or so, and they reopened it. And it's now becoming a place where. 
you can do cool stuff there and they have concerts and stuff like that there uh they have like maybe two or three rooms i want to say um one big event space and uh, maybe at least one small theater i want to say i don't know but it's a really nice venue and i always like i always like going down there because rutherford's kind of a a cozy nice new jersey town where every time people try to shit on jersey it's like okay you just don't it let's it'll just be hiding in plain sight uh fine with me it's already congested enough being close to the being so close to new york city but people try to you know people shit on jersey all the time there's some really beautiful places in jersey it always gives me that warm feeling because also i like rutherford and i remember that when i was first starting out in comedy I used to do open mics there, not at the Williams Center, but just a couple of blocks away at this community, this like learning center. Um, and uh, yeah, we they used to have open mics there on Friday. I cut my teeth as a young comic there. Uh, so that, that always brings back nice memories. Uh, so Rutherford, New Jersey will always have a, a place in my heart. And and um, that last time I was there was the best crowd that it's that I ever experienced there because uh, it's sometimes it could be hard. So, you know, sometimes when a, a room can be pretty hard and you really have to um, be present and get your shit out. I was just talking to another comic about that uh, this afternoon about being present and, and stuff. So, um I I got there because I was a filling in for someone that got sick and I'm there. And then John Moses is up. Very funny comedian, friend of the podcast. He's been on the show before. And he was up there killing. And I was like, oh, shit. Hadn't seen John in a, in a minute. And I was like, I got to come with some shit. So I did. I was working on some new stuff and I was st- did some new stuff that felt good. Had a nice set. It was fun. Um, and then... Fast forward to New Year's Eve, I did a show, did two shows in Rutherford, uh, also in Rutherford, New Jersey, at the uh, at Bananas Comedy Club, nestled inside of the Renaissance Hotel uh, in the Meadowlands area, and uh, opened for Dove Davidoff, and two sold out crowds, good time, had a blast. Uh, felt good. Like I kind of have a opener that I can use for a little bit. I think that'll, that'll be, that'll be fun. I think I can, it'll be, it'll be pretty fun. So, um, I didn't know what I was going to open with and it felt really good when I got that, like that, that laugh that kind of, you could let it, it, it can, it kind of goes in a little bit of a wave and it was, it was nice. So I have to build around that. Um, yeah, so that was that was fun. Two really good shows. Safe night. Um, really pleasant. Um, yeah, so I had a good time. So I have some shows coming up. Big shows. Really big show. Um, I'll be at the San Francisco Sketch Fest January 20th and the 21st. On January 20th, I will be opening for... 
Dulce Sloan. And uh, let's see where this it's at. A, it's um, I'm looking at the website. It is where I thought I, you know, I thought that I had the venue. But if you go if you go to there's a link in my bio on Instagram where it has the two shows that I'm doing there and you can get tickets. So that's going to be a fun show. That's going to be, ooh, that's going to be fun. That's going to be like a, it's a 930 show. You got me opening, doing 20. And you got Dolce Sloan, really popular and funny comedian. It's going to be at the Brava Theater Center in San Francisco. So that's going to be great. Uh, and then the next night, I'll be doing the Sketchfest sets. Uh, where is this at? For you San Franciscans, it'll be at the Lost Church on Columbus Avenue. San Francisco, I I was I haven't been there in in ten years, so uh, I'm excited, and I'll I'll get to see one of my best friends out there, and he's coming to to the show. And uh, I'm I get I bought tickets to see the um, Golden State Warriors play the play the Mavs. I hope Steph Curry is healthy. I hope everybody's healthy. I'll get to see Luca hopefully. Um, I paid good money for those seats. Oh my God, were they expensive? But I said, you know what? You only live once, and uh, it'll be fun to see Steph Curry. I saw him. I saw him. Right after they won, maybe the first, the first chip, first or second chip, and they played the Nets, and um, I don't know. I think if if I did a deep dive on my Instagram, it might be like 2016 or 2017, something, one around that time, 2015, 2016. I went, uh, but I'm excited because I haven't I haven't been to a a basketball an NBA game in a in a minute, so I, I I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, so that should be fun. Uh, so I'll be there. And then February, February 24th, I'll be at zone three in Boston, Massachusetts, doing some shows, headlining two shows out there. And then when I, once I get the details, I will, uh, post them and put a link in my Instagram bio. So those are two big shows, um, technically four shows that'll be fun that you'll get to see me do long sets there and i think I'm, this this show is just um uh the second show at the sketch fest will be i think maybe i'm doing like 10 or 12 something like that it'll be fun it'll be a bunch of it'll be let's see how many one two three four five six seven it'll be seven comics yeah so that's fun. I'm excited about that. I'm excited to start the year off doing some comedy. All right. This year felt good. I had, had started, feels good already. I did a fun show, you know, on New Year's Eve, brought in the, rang in the new year. But then yesterday, I, I went to a movie. I went and got some chicken wings and went to the grocery store. Had a nice night, talked to some friends on the phone. And um, 
like most nights, like most of the time, I carry my earbuds with me. You know, sometimes I like if I'm, <coughs> excuse me, if I'm listening to a podcast or some music and I stop the car, you know, I like to, as I'm walking to my, uh, into my apartment, I like to have something going on, I like to have a pod going or music. And I get home, I have my earbuds in, vibing out to some little dragon. And uh, I don't know where my case went. My case for my earbuds. I was like, what's going on here? I don't fucking get what's going on. I lost them. They weren't in my pocket. I checked. And I went back outside. They weren't in my car. So they're gone. So I had to buy a replacement case that I was not expecting. And I was like, uh, damn it. So I just did it. Cause I'm like, those, those earbuds cost too much to just let them piss away. It would be nice if they were my old ones, if they were my old, uh, earbuds. But, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a bad feeling when you lose something like that. And I've never lost earbuds like the earbud cases like that or anything like that. So what I think is going to happen I think either a couple days from now, uh, since I already paid for these things, uh, I'm going to find that case and I'm going to be like, damn it. But at least I'll have a, a backup one now. But that 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 was not great at all. I did not appreciate that. Um, anyway, but other other than that, the year's starting off uh, pretty good. Um, I wanted to talk about a couple of things and I think this one's going to be pretty short and then you'll be like two hours, two hours later and I'm still talking about something. I want to say that, you know, about the NFL, about, um, I'm, I'm hoping that Lamar Jackson wins the MVP. He played his, he's played his ass off. He's, he's, they have only, the Ravens only lost three games, um, and I, I was watching the games. I was like, oh, because I, I, I normally do um, Red Zone. I have the in a, the Sunday ticket, but I, I think I, I, I'll, I'll watch Red Zone. And then if there's a game that's interesting, I'll just, you know, stay on that one for a bit. And, you know, I'm seeing like, oh, Lamar's balling out. Great. Awesome. And then I see people tweeting saying, oh, is that quarterbacky enough? Is that quarterbacky? I see the word quarterbacky all over my timeline. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Quarterbacky. Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-B-A-C-K-Y. And so I looked this up. And it's this woman named uh, Monse Bolaños, who is a sportscaster with Fox Radio. And I want to go, I want to play this for you. Um, He ended up, he ended up having, Lamar Jackson ended up having 300 plus yards and five touchdowns, five passing touchdowns. Oh, come on now that I'm trying to do something, I'm going back and I'll, I'll just play, I'll just play this clip of her. So hopefully you can hear it. It'll be, hopefully it'll be good when I do these. Hold on. Jackson's the most valuable player in the National Football League. No, I don't. This is absurd. I, I, what are you talking about? Y'all are absurd. Listen, 
I, this sounds like I don't like Lamar Jackson, and that's not what it is at all. I think Lamar Jackson has come out and has become a better quarterback this year. He is doing better than I thought, throwing the ball and just you know being the quarterback, especially after losing his favorite target to uh, Mark Andrews. And I, I see it. I see it. But to me, the MVP is somebody who has been kicking ass and taking names week after week. He had a great game against the 49ers. Great game. The defense exquisite against the 49ers but he's also had four games this year without a touchdown pass four then he's had other games where he had one touchdown two games like he's he has not been i in the words of uh of colin cowherd stars attract stars no i'm just kidding <laughs> this is what we do <laughs> you know in rich but i want my quarterbacks to be quarterbacky and to me Lamar Jackson is just a great athlete, and he's done a really good job, and he had a great game against the 49ers. Prisoners of the moment, he is not the MVP. Chris- so that was, uh, I guess, it was December 31st was when the, well, when Lamar was balling out. Uh, I She must have said, she said that sometime after the Ravens beat the shit out of the 49ers. And, uh, you know, because everybody's been canonizing, all but canonizing Brock Purdy, a guy who has all those weapons. I'm sure he's talented enough, but I mean, not enough. He's not he's not better than Lamar Jackson, who has won an NFL MVP, you know, and he's a great quarterback. And uh, what that is, Monse Bolaños is. A woman of color, I don't know what the the flag is really tiny. I don't know what to say, and I'm not going to say anything racist. But um, what that is is a dog whistle. Uh, it's thinly veiled racism to say that Lamar's not a pocket passer, even though he came from Louisville, where he won the Heisman Trophy uh, by throwing the ball all the time, and because he had talented receivers and he was just really good. He and he was a quarterback in college who could run. And I I I'm I'm tired of it. And now it just seems like everybody now everybody's like jumping on the bandwagon of like I'm not the only person that's noticed the the I you know I've been black quarterbacks all about black quarterbacks since this forever since this podcast has been going on. Now it's like, oh, now you guys, now that there's more than more than like three or four black quarterbacks in the league, everybody's trying to, you know, jump on the bandwagon. But I'm hoping that Lamar Jackson wins the Heisman. I'm really the Heisman. He's won the Heisman. I hope he wins the NFL MVP. Um, I'm really tired of these comparisons. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's. It's it is what it is. It's just racism. They don't like the way that he I guess the way that he wears his hair, the way that he talks, um, the fact that he has uh, autonomy over his career and he's making a lot of money. They pay. They didn't want to pay him. They tried. I think they in some ways might have been trying to blackball him like nobody was going to take him. Even J.J. Watt said on a. I think I don't know when he said he said this, but I saw a little a clip that I saved. Not a real, not a clip, but just a you know one of those photo memes where he says 
everybody everybody in this offseason went out of their way to say we didn't want Lamar Jackson. If your GM said that, fire him. So this was J.J. Watt on Lamar Jackson silencing critics this season. You know, when he was – when it didn't get – it didn't – they said basically they said they didn't want him because he was holding out and all that stuff. I just, I just hate it. Continue to treat, prove them wrong. Always trying to uh, push up Joe Burrow and Josh Allen when you got Patrick Mahomes uh, further cementing himself as one of the greatest NFL quarterbacks to ever play the game. And you're not going to have great seasons every year. They're still what? What's the Chiefs' record? I don't even. I don't even know. Chiefs' record. I think they'll make the playoffs, right? They're ten and six. That's that's not a losing season. They're on top of the AFC West. They'll make the playoffs. Granted, if some guys would have caught some passes. What is that? I hope you guys can't hear that. It sounds like a buzzing thing. Granted, if those guys would would have kept caught some passes, that might have been they might might have won fourteen games. But they just they try to diminish greatness from these black guys all the time. You didn't see that with Tom Brady. It's just like he's Tom Brady. You didn't see that with any of these other quarterbacks. Like Peyton Manning, his neck wouldn't even work, and they were still sicing him as that Broncos defense carried him to another Super Bowl. Like he it's almost like they he had to have that. Like they had to give it to him. And 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 Cam Newton when he says something or makes comments about granted I think Cam Newton still wants to play and I don't blame him cuz a lot of these guys on a lot of these quarterbacks are not good. They're just not. And you're going to shit on Cam Newton because he wears like a Outfits that you don't like. Granted, I get the thing, the jokes that people say, oh, he looks like an auntie when he, you know, blase blonde, his hair. He's damn near a borderline Hall of Famer if he had better teams. Dragging those teams to the playoffs, dragging that team to the Super Bowl. It, I, I hate it. I can't stand it. It's a lot. It pisses me off. Like and I and I heard like they were talking about on the other show. Stop, stop crying, Patrick Mahomes. It's the same shit. Yeah, yeah like when Tom Brady get got mad, nobody said shit. It's in my act. They, they didn't say shit. Patrick Mahomes gets fr- and I I started liking him more after I watched that quarterback document series that Peyton Manning put out. I was like, oh, I appreciate him more. He's got fire. It's an emotional game. Stop crying. They say the same shit about LeBron. Granted, I don't think there's more black players. I don't know. The 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 LeBron stuff's a little different, but it's just with these black quarterbacks, the the constantly trying to diminish um their greatness all the time at that in that high profile position. One of the most, one of the hardest pos- positions to play in sports, and they hate they can't they hate to see these black dudes excel in this position, and they can't 
they can't do anything about it because they're they're taking over the position now. And I just look, I I just love, I love having the dilemma of who, what team do I root for. I love the Super Bowl, even though I was rooting for the Chiefs to win last year because I wanted Mahomes to have at least two. I hope he has some more before he's done. But if Lamar Jackson, if Lamar Jackson can win the Super Bowl this year and the MVP, it's a Hall of Famer. Already a Hall of Famer if you win two MVPs, I would I would think. Um, I just, I, you love to see it. Uh, and I really don't want to, I really don't want to go in on, on that, on that, uh, on Miss Bolaños's, uh, comment. Like I want to go in on it. Uh, but I'll just say it's, it's a dog whistle. She knows who she's appealing to. Christian McCaffrey, I'm sure, has had a great season. Uh, but Lamar Jackson in, the, in that high-profile position, when when we're in a league where everybody, where everybody, uh, all the commentators, all the league has decided that the running back position is disposable, they've decided that over the past, what, the past, like, 10 to 15 years that we don't care about that position, but yet Christian McCaffrey is the can your, your candidate, your number one. And he is talented, but I'm saying he's not Lamar Jackson. And I'm, I just, it just, I get tired of it. I am I am tired of the media trying to diminish these black men. Well, I when the people try to say that <laughs> that Patrick oh, he's he he drinks Bud Light and he's you know, he's got that white wife and he's this and that as soon as they started to have trouble, they were ready to bail on him. Still trying to prop up Joe Burrow, he got hurt. The Bengals are eight and eight. Still trying to prop up the Bills. Where are they? They're ten and six, so they're right under the Dolphins. And they could very well do something. You never know when what happens in the playoffs. It, anything can happen. Before, but for them to talk about Patrick Mahomes the way they have this season, because he hasn't played. Tariq Hill and is gone. Uh, Kelsey, Kelsey's, I guess, still is playing well, but those other guys can't catch. They got to get some guys that can catch. They got to pay pay a wide receiver if somebody's in free agency, or maybe they can draft a young kid that can hold on to the ball. And then the way that they're treating Jalen Hurts, how are the Eagles doing? Eagles are eleven and five. I hear people talking like they should get rid of Jalen Hurts. Dak Prescott is in is in uh, on the top of the NFC East, so we might have we we could have another another uh, black quarterback Super Bowl, or we could have at least one. We'll see, and I will be happy. But until that, that's my agenda. That's my, that's my uh, agenda. It's all, I'll die with that agenda. 
But you're not going to diminish these guys. I ju it just annoys me. It annoys me to the fullest. Something else that annoys me is the way that critics treat black media in general. In black films, I want to say. Well, black media, TV and TV and film, actually. I was talking to a friend about um, power, the power universe, and how I've been enjoying it. I enjoy it like I enjoy any show like uh, I would. It is a black show. I enjoy it like I would enjoy True Detective or... Um, Succession. Actually, I mean, I, I like Succession. I, I, I really enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it as much as I've enjoyed Power. Or, or I've enjoyed Atlanta. Atlanta has made it into the realm of prestige TV. And it deserves to be. But I think a lot of this really... There's some really good acting going on in the power universe in particular with raising Canaan, Patina Miller, um, Haley Kilgore. The show is really, really great. I, I really love the show, but it's anchored by it's really, it's anchored. I would say it's anchored by Patina Miller and, 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 and in a lot of ways with, um, Haley Kilgore playing jukebox, I feel like she's the emotional core of that show. And they're doing this great work, and I don't see it covered. I see it covered by black people on YouTube. I see it, my friends talk about it. Shout out to um, Damian Lemon and, uh, and Ali Muhammad over at In the Conversation. But on a, on a, on a, a level where but white, white folks ain't talking about it. And that's one of the reasons why I'm glad that even though I have a, a small following that I, I like talking about those shows. I like I like the fact that my friends talk about it. Um, I am not. How do I want to say this? I think I just knew about this a long time for a long time because I came up in the theater and I, I've talked about this a lot on the show where and on other shows where uh, I remember coming up in the theater in Chicago. It's the Midwest. It's a great city, great town to do to practice your craft as an artist, as an actor and as a comedian where I feel like I should have started. But when it comes to black theater, it was only August Wilson and it was only during like Black History Month, where some people where people would give a shit about black plays. But when you were doing new stuff and when black you were doing some black shit that wasn't uh that wasn't like Wee's pole and Wee's this and you know, all that shit and, and when we weren't in despair looking for hope or you're doing something with nuance, uh uh contemporary uh pieces, it they just didn't seem to care about it. And I think, I think that one, I do think that's racist. 
Two, it's some of the best art that's being put out. Some of the best art that's been been put out in the city at the time. I was a part of some of those. And I'm not saying it because I was a part of them, but it had something to do with it. And there were there were good stuff. And I wasn't always the lead. I was uh, you know, had had uh did some cool stuff. But I just felt like some of my some of my friends who were white didn't give a shit and didn't support, even though I would support theirs. But I know I noticed that, and that's something that I always, will always take with me. I see that in in these big budget films, in in Hollywood when it comes to award season, uh, the homies Justin Brown, Brandon Collins, and I talked about talk about it all the time. And it kind of crystallized in 2020 when we were watching, um, we were doing live live casting the Oscars. And I was like, you know what? I still love this season. I still wa- love watching all the movies and, and thinking about who's going to win, making predictions and this and that. But I've, I've, I've kind of checked out on a lot of that stuff as far I've, I've I've just checked out on I don't know I I I just I have I root for people I still root for people I still enjoy it I just don't really try to put my finger on it I'm thinking about this in real time You don't. I, I just don't. I don't need the the awards to really signify or what I like. You know, I've, I talk about this stuff all year. I talk about your your Greta Lee, uh, hopefully getting at least getting nominated. I think that performance in Past Lives was great. I think about. I tell you about who I think is is good, who had a really great performances. I. Uh, Tiana Taylor in a thousand and one, you know, I thought that was also great. Um, I'm rambling a lot, but I'm trying to get my, I'm trying to get my, my head around how I want to say, I just don't, I don't care that much anymore. I still love the movies and I, and I, and I'm, I'm rooting for people. Uh, I'm rooting for certain people and it's not always necessarily the black people or or the the minorities but i like to see that stuff because in in any profession especially in media tv and film podcasting you just get you just get beaten down so much these people just get critiqued and they and and all just just so much and it it just it just takes away from from what they're doing. I don't know. I, don't know, I might have to edit this. Um, what do I want to say? Yeah, I think I'll just end up editing. 
Well, huh. All right, I think I figured it out. I kind of feel the same way about the Oscars and award season, the way that I feel about the NFL, actually, where those agenda, the black agenda, the the my surrogate black, <laughs> my surrogate black actors. I'm trying to remember who I had was my surrogate. Uh, black actor when there were no black people one year. I forget. I tweeted it a long time ago. But the the good performances, I enjoy. I enjoy the performances. I enjoy people trying to win. And the fact that these movies, that this is the season where you see people really trying to take big swings uh, with the storytelling, with the acting, the direction, the set design, all of that stuff, this all-encompassing thing, I, I'm going to always appreciate that. And the the agendas for those uh, people of color to be successful and to excel at, on these big stages is something that's always going to make me feel passionate about this season. Um I just think it just really gets they really don't pay attention to it sometimes unless it's just glaring and it's super undeniable. I think a film like American Fiction is undeniable um, and where you do have to pay attention. Past Lives was undeniable. Moonlight was undeniable. Uh, everything everywhere all at once was undeniable um but sometimes these performances can be understated i don't i don't i think american fiction has that critical acclaim those performances aren't really super over the top they were just black people existing and having complicated feelings emotions uh, complicated lives in in a contemporary setting that we don't always see we see it every now and then but the most glaring omission in the last few years my one of my favorite movies uh of this side of the new millennium waves which was uh it had that a24 firepower still nothing didn't get any love but just the the reward the awards the lack of awards is not going to make me love a film any less, but you just like to see the people that are really killing it be acknowledged for their work. And that that's really all that I'm, that I'm getting at with this. Um, and I just noticed when I listen to fellow comedians, white ones, when they review these movies or they talk about movies with black characters, they kind of make fun. They uh, are dismissive about the performances. And every time I think about quitting this fucking show and stop doing it, I listen to some of these other podcasters and the way that they talk about black art. 
I said, oh, yeah, okay. That's that's why I keep doing this. That's why I keep spewing my thoughts into the ether, so it could be. So it could be out there. That's one of the reasons why I keep doing it too. So for the, the hundreds of you that listen, that's one of the reasons. And it just I just roll my eyes. It's like you're being, and it's some of the best work. It's the same way when I would get on my rants that people enjoyed that I can't, I can't uh, manufacture that. I have to really give a shit about something to really uh, manufacture the spiciness. It has to be authentic, you know? But when I get on my high horse about comedy and and how, when I always say, taking me out of the picture, there's several black comedians that are better than all the ones that are out there on the forefront. And that's, all I'll say about that. And, and and the same thing happens with people I don't even know. These black people in Hollywood that are acting and killing it. The same thing. It's some of the best work that's ever been done. And it's undeniable. Speaking of something that's undeniable, I want to say uh, I saw The Color Purple yesterday. And um, I was... I wanted to see it. I wanted to support it. But I was thinking to myself, I had to be in the right mood to see this. I didn't know. I was thinking, okay, this this is going to be this is going to be heavy. This is going to be a lot. Is it going to be softened a little bit by the music? Probably. But I was thinking to myself, black pain, black struggle, black joy in Dolby in Dolby Atmos surround. And I was like, I got to get ready for this. And I was like, oh, God, I don't know. Capitalizing off of this black pain and us being downtrodden. This movie was fantastic. The spectacle, the size, the scope of the film. Um... It was fantastic. Uh, and, and it hit. I hadn't seen the original film in a long time. I have not read the book since high school. But this movie, the movie. Was a, a huge part of my childhood. Like that was a movie that I'd watch a lot. We know you told Harpo to beat me. All, all those scenes. You show is ugly, you know. A couple of phrases from that, a couple of uh, big quotables from it, and it hit all the all the notes. I did not know the play. I didn't. I hadn't seen the play, so I didn't know the music. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I I was telling a friend um, over the weekend. I said, you know, I I'm I like musicals, but I, it's not my first as far as plays are concerned. I'm really a fan of the kitchen sink dramas, just like straight acting, like August Wilson-y stuff, new uh, up-and-coming black playwrights, uh, per- preferably women. I like those. I've, I've enjoyed that kind of stuff. 
Uh, but I, I'm more of a straight drama type of guy. That's my preference. But I saw my friend Rick Younger in Mean Girls. It was amazing. The musical was amazing. He was amazing. I saw my friend Scott Stanglin in uh, Shucked, which I wouldn't go see on my own. But the fact that my friend was in it, I've had a blast. I loved it. So that's the kind of theater goer I am. But going to see this movie, it was fucking amazing. The singing was great. The dancing was great. And by the and by the the third act, I found I cried. I the the there's a the Easter scene at the table when spoiler alert, I mean when Celie leaves, that that scene with oh my god, Danielle Brooks playing um Sophia, it was it was amazing. I was talking to one of my friends after the movie. I said, yeah, yeah, I just came out of Color Probe. He's like, yo, did you cry? I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I did. It was it was fantastic. And I was trying to think. I was talking to my friend, I was like, you know, I don't think we've seen a big studio movie with black people like this he mentioned black panther i'll say yeah black panther but i mean that's a that's a superhero movie um i don't know how much i want to see the budget on this one i know taraji p henson was talking about the pay getting paid for the color purple I didn't think about, okay. So $100 million, The Color Purple reportedly has a staggering budget of around $100 million as the cast and crew bring this vision to life. Here's a rough glimpse into what, into where this amount was invested. Oh, a budget breakdown from Collider. So I know she's talking about Taraji's talking about so a hundred million. I don't know what the standard is. I mean, the the creator was two hundred, I think. Um, but just a big write in, email me, tweet me. At, at what do you think about a big, big budget black film? Uh, other than Black Panther, other than those two, I'd have to think about that because I was thinking about that yesterday but i was driving and i was talking and then i didn't i didn't uh do the job of a good podcaster to uh look that up but the spectacle of it all was something to be- behold i did really enjoy it um fantasia got nominated for a golden globe as she should have um and Danielle Brooks got nominated. I don't know. I don't think Taraji got nominated. It's possible that that comes with the Oscar. But this is so... There's so many. Like, people have really shitted on... Well, I don't know if they really shit on movies. But the, the theater-going experience... I, I, just, I just think we're not really owning up to the fact that COVID happened and COVID 
had this seismic shift on the on the industry in Hollywood and they're and I don't I don't know if that money's going to come back like it did before COVID and even before COVID I remember sitting in theaters where there weren't that many but you know what I'm I always say this and I've said it I remember saying it to Sam when he was on the pod people like Sam, myself, Rod, Karen, Tim, we're all kind of like outliers in a way because we go see anything, everything. And those people other than Sam and then and then Tim Hall, because Tim, Rod and Karen, they're critics. So we they don't even really count in that way. But all of us in general are anomalies because we see everything. And most people aren't seeing everything. But I noticed, like, I noticed even going to see Beyonce on a Friday night, the night that it premiered, a decent, a decent sized crowd. It was, it was a, it was good enough to have a good time with black people in the movie theater, but. People weren't in the theater. There's a, there's a, and I remember that night going to a restaurant with a friend after the movie in the same, uh, in the strip mall where the movie, where the AMC was. And she was saying, yeah, you know, there's really not that many people go to that theater and they just aren't going to the movies. I didn't remember seeing that like, and then during prior to COVID, the times that I would go, the four o'clock screening, I remember times before COVID within the last, so let's just say 2019 and five years prior. So like 2014, 2015, I remember going to a four o'clock screening, uh, coming out at six, it would be packed. Like during that time period, I would be I would be leaving and then families and other people would be coming into the theater to watch the movies. That's part and parcel because of uh, the Marvel films. Um, And then people were just going kids movies, cartoons, movies, cartoons, movies, the cartoons, Pixar, all that stuff. And the way that they and the racism that they have with, oh, such and such movie like the Marvels didn't make any money. But then the Hunger Games movie triumphed over the weekend when they didn't make any money. I don't know if anybody saw that. And that's why these movies are in in the theater for about a month, if that. And then it's going to come on on VOD they're going to charge you 24 bucks to buy the movie and $19 to rent it cuz they need to make that money back some way i waited like 2 months to see a a little a a small a movie that i would have seen in the theater but i just didn't get around to see it um freelance with john cena and allison brie that movie came out in less than a month, I want to say on VOD, but they wanted 24 bucks to rent it. I waited that shit out until it was like five or six bucks. 
and then I rented it. I wasn't paying. I'm not going to pay 20 plus bucks for a movie on VOD when you're not even offering any special features. But that's a movie that you that I would go see if I was on the road, if I was, you know, trying to kill time between shows or something like that or before a show. But that's just an example. And I think and just every Tuesday, every Friday, you look, you see what came out. I always like to see what comes out on iTunes and I see how much they they want. Twenty four bucks to rent the thing. But back to color purple. I was just really. I was really impressed by it. I I just I was just kind of. I don't know. I, I don't think I was surprised by it. I knew the actors were good and I knew the story, but I don't know from reading the book when you're maybe 15 or 16 years old to then um, knowing the movie kind of make kind of like laughing at shit you shouldn't be laughing at and then giving it 20 or 30 years, well, like 20 plus years and coming back to the material and have life happen to you. It, I would say it definitely hit me different. And, um, they were just, that that was just a really good cast. And then there was, I, I kind of heard like some of the critics, uh, say on, on YouTube and some, a couple of things I read, but just, the fact that um, the musicality of of this production softened some things, I don't think so. I think there were still moments that were like, ooh, there were still like visceral moments when like Sealy shaving Mister. For those of you that remember that, I was like, ooh, that's fucking intense. Obviously, when he hits, whenever Mr. Hits, Coleman Domingo was menacing. Um, yeah, th- this movie just it just worked for me. I mean, five stars on Letterboxd for me. Uh, if you can, you can, you know, see it in Dolby if you can. I, that That's my favorite format. I'm always going to be an advocate of seeing any movie if you can in Dolby whenever um but just for the pure spectacle the movie going experience it's worth it it is um and it is worth seeing in the theater um i thought Taraji was good i don't like the talk I don't know, man. I was talking about quote unquote revamping the podcast into being a quasi. Uh, <laughs> I was joking on Patreon about making this, um, uh, putting this show in the manosphere. But the way I was listening to black men and black women talk shit about Taraji, like they don't know her. Like, what has she done? Big Taraji P. Henson. What has she done? And to not want to get paid? Well, not not like, she hasn't done anything. She's an Oscar nominee. 
And I don't know how much her, her, um, I don't know what I think she should be. And that's what the strike was for. These people should be getting paid more. I want to get paid more when I'm doing stuff. There's been a, there's been a bump. I was talking to my manager about it. Be nice to get, get some of those stuff. I don't have a team. My team, I do have a team, but I'm not at the level that Taraji is. And I, I understand it. I understand that. Uh, I'm looking at this um, Collider article about Color Purple where she did get 150K for that part and then Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett got got millions. And that's what they negotiated, but I did not like hearing those people tear down. uh, I don't like hearing them tear down Taraji when she's been a staple in the black community since baby boy um yeah the, her quote as as reported by variety henson shares the gravity of the industry's pay equality when you hear someone go such and such made 10 million that didn't make it to their account henson continued off the top uncle sam is getting 50 percent now have five now have five million your team is getting 30 percent of what you gross not after what Uncle Sam took. Now do the math. She's, you know, when she was saying the math ain't mathing. Um, and she gets, re- I'm sure she gets residuals, big residuals. But you want to see that money increase. But it's just, I, I, I like to think, and I've had conversations with people about this. I'd like to think that the strike broke this facade that all these actors were making all this money. And the great Janelle James said on social media several years ago before she got famous that I like seeing or she said something like this. I'm paraphrasing. She either said I like seeing or whenever I see a friend of mine on TV. Or or she said whenever I see whenever you see someone on TV with an acting job you know that money's been spent nine months ago. <laughs> it was something like that. I have the, I, yeah, it was something like that. She said that was true. It was so true. And one reason I'm never going to let this shit get to my head. Cause you, I, I haven't even the cool shit that I've done. You get paid well when you do something like you get paid pretty well when you I'm a, I'm considered a day player. The stuff that I've done that's been on, t- I, it took a day or two to do it, to film it. Sometimes you get to do ADR, you get paid for that. But I hope it broke the facade, but I still think that that all the shit is so glamorous. But you really have to love this shit. Yeah, you get you you can you can make a lot of money. You can maybe you get fame and all that stuff. But the work is the work and you want to be compensated for it. You want to be able to pay your bills. You you think you get to this level. It's like I can I can buy a house. I could buy a car. I can pay my bills. I can pay my loans. I can I can do this. I've worked so hard to get to this level where I'm working with some of my heroes. I get the people that I've seen on TV and film since I was a kid. I've gotten to do that. I've, I've done that, 
but you want to get compensated. And I understand where she's coming from, from her, from her, all of that is relative, especially the way that she broke it down. If you're, you're making 150 K, but there's always somebody else that's making, uh, more than you. And it's just, it's that Fonte line that rings so, so true, rang so true for me last year. The higher I go, all I see is stair steps. That's from that find find that love again record. And it's so it's so true. There's always another rung. She's talented enough to be um to be getting paid more. I j- I just think that um what I really think is just Hollywood. I don't know if I don't I don't know if it's Hollywood or if if it's the media that's not adjusting the stats to where they don't want to say that COVID, that there was a seismic shift when COVID happened. It affected the industry. And that same amount of money's not getting made. And there's still, I don't know, I, I mean, I, that, that again, thinly veiled racism. I know if I see it, everybody else, I mean, they should. I didn't like, I'm not going to say what show it was, but I just don't like, I don't like, you're going to, you are you call yourself black, you're supposed to be cool and woke and you're for the people, but you want to shit on this black woman who's telling you how it is. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be, not trying to be sanctimonious about it. I'm not trying to be a moral police, but uh, ooh, it'd be your own people. We don't do it with 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 basketball or football players. Some people do though. Some people are pocket watchers. Some people are jealous. Ah, it is what it is. But I, I hope it gets better. I hope I can participate. I hope to one day be complaining about getting a little more money. You never you never know. All right. I think. Uh, oh, I saw a Dave Chappelle special, The Dreamer. I liked it. It was good. And I thought it was every time he puts something out, they're always going to be waiting with bated breath to um, have some reason to not like it or to talk about it, talk about his jokes and really wait till they hear buzzwords um, so they can write stuff about it. No one is above critique. I did think it was very good. Um I don't know. And now I've started to rewatch his specials and I'm up to uh, rewatching the bird revelation. Uh, Yeah. But I didn't I didn't look at equanimity before that, but I just been rewatching his stuff. Want to see which ones like as set wise that I like. But I feel like I like the age of spin the most out of all of them. Um that he's put out within the last uh, few years. Um, but it's, it's still fun to watch Dave. And I don't think he was the fascinating thing. And I've said this before about Dave Chappelle is just that he's able to be smart, witty, profane, very vulgar, silly, He's got a little bit of everything He's, you know, what you do call that five tool comic. I, I I always, always say that about Roy Wood Jr. I think of 
the gen, his Roy Woods generation. I think he's got that five tool thing going. Dave is, um, you know, uh, legend. Um, yeah, I still, I still love the way I, I still think he's one of the greats. And, um, yeah, I mean, if, if it's not for you, you know, you don't, you don't have to watch it and I'm not going to, uh, try just be a douche and, and arrogant about it. Like people on social media, some of that's just like internet muscles. If you don't like it, fuck off. But I, I don't think that he was being super malicious and punching down because he even mentioned punching down in the special all that shit was done with a wink and uh yeah it was it was and he's really when you think about it i mean he's done that with some of that within i'm look, looking back like it's it, it's it's been there all that's all that stuff so i think it's good there's also a lot of other specials i really enjoyed um Gary Goldman's special. Uh, I got to watch the Jim Gaffigan's latest. I liked Dina Hashem. It's been a really good year for comedy. Quiet, quiet in a lot of ways, even though like there's people that, that are doing really well and killing it. But just, you know, it just seemed like there's been a lot of specials that I've enjoyed. I really enjoyed last year. Some I got to catch up on, but uh, watch the Dave Chappelle special for yourself before you before you uh, try to be all high and mighty on on Twitter. Because <laughs> some people are like, well, I can't believe they like quote tweeting that variety article. Dave is punching down. So just just watch it yourself. OK, I thought this was going to be short, um, but, you know, it is what it is. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a very safe and happy new year and that your dreams come true and all that good stuff. And I will talk to you all next time. Take it easy, everybody.